Welcome to Laughter for All. It's the podcast with comedian Nazareth. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Laughter for All podcast. I am comedian Nazareth, and this is episode number 60. And uh, normally, as I say, before the pandemic, we always had comedians that share their life and open up. But since the pandemic, we started inviting physicians, nutritionists, uh, funeral home directors, and other people that come and tell us about how we can be of help. And today is no exception. I have a wonderful, wonderful, vibrant young guest that's able to speak into the lives of, uh, if you're uh, if you're young, they're going to speak into your life. If you're a mom, they're going to speak to your daughter and your sons, your daughters and sons. If you're a grandma, you can at least know what your grandkids are going through. If you're single, this will be, it deals with everything. So I'm so uh, glad to have our guest. And thanks to the pandemic, we're able to have her in the studio, her studio in Florida, instead of her being on the road all the time. So let me introduce her officially. Michaela Nichols, she's a best-selling author, speaker, podcaster, model, actress. At age 23, Michaela is a founder of a nonprofit 513 called the Blatantly Honest Foundation. She's a national speaker, podcaster, and best-selling author of Blatantly Honest, Normal Teen, Abnormal Life. In her book, she shares her personal struggles with issues teens may encounter, such as bullying, body image, sexual assault, peer pressure, and more. To meet the needs of her younger audience, she has also created two children's coloring books focused on anti-bullying and positive body image. Bodies don't bully, and everybody is beautiful. Thanks to generous sponsors from uh, Central Florida, Michaela and her sponsors have donated over 11,000 coloring books to over 18 elementary schools and San Jude Children's Research Hospital. All righty, to, to reach an even larger audience, Michaela has a podcast series called Blatantly Honest with Michaela Nichols. You should, I was watching it on YouTube. You should watch it. It's amazing. It's so encouraging. She's bringing people. Um, it's focused on changing the stigma behind teen social issues. She's able to accomplish this by chatting with celebrities, influencers, and experts about their own struggle and triumph. Michaela also shares her story in person. She's a wonderful speaker. She speaks at middle schools, high schools, and you know conferences uh, about bullying, body image, sexual assault, mental health, and suicide prevention. Aside from working with the youth, she also events to provide insight for parents, teachers, organizations, and more. And you go, why would you bring Michaela on election night? Because, you know, this country has been suffering a lot of bullying, and we probably end up the show getting her cure for it. So welcome so much. Thank you for joining us, Michaela. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute privilege to be on. And that was quite the mouthful bio. Um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to read all that. For for being 23, that's a that's a big bio. Normally, like uh, they finish high school, they went to college, and here they are. So thank you. That's amazing. What what is okay? Let me ask you. I start with the first question. Okay, if you had to choose, if God comes to you and said, okay, you can only be one of these: either a best-selling author, a model, an actress, a podcaster, or uh, a speaker, what would you pick? That's a really tough question. Um, no one's ever asked me that before. I think I would say a speaker because I really enjoyed talking. I love to run my mouth and share my own experiences with everything. And I feel like with books, I would be really confined to just the pages. Um, so I'd really be able to rather travel and share my story in person, I think. So uh, when you speak, how long, how, how long of a, uh, do, you, do you segment? Usually about an hour is what I'm used to doing. Um, when it comes to the elementary schools, though, sometimes I'm like, listen, you have me for an hour. However, we might start losing them in like 35 minutes, but I can usually keep them till about 50 minutes really entertained, um, which is difficult for, for young kids. You know, if my dentist said, Nazareth, you have two options. Would you rather I pull all your teeth without Novocaine or have you speak to middle school boys? What would you do? Of course, I said, okay, start pulling. <laughs> How do you deal with that? How do you get their attention for that? You know, 
It's very challenging. And I love saying the word challenging because I could use a lot of words to describe how I feel when I'm trying to get the attention of middle school boys. Um, fortunately for me, you know, they're like, oh, who's this pretty girl that's going to talk to us? And I kind of get them like that. Um, and I really kind of play to that to my advantage because all the guys are like whispering. And I'm like, all right, let's all address the elephant in the room. Like, you think I'm cute? And all the girl, you know, like something like that, just really relating to them, um, just calling them out. Like, if kids, start talking when I am speaking like I get mad like I because I can see you because I'm like in the gym right and they're like whispering and I'm like all right uh you and you you're talking right now like what are you talking about is it relevant what's going on and then I'll like stop until they're done that set um, them off that was set yeah. off all of them, oh 100 <laughs> okay you mentioned this you said oh who's this cute pretty girl that's uh you know how can and as uh, someone go, okay, what does she know about bullying? I mean, come on, she's pretty, she had it all together. What does she know? You know, someone would say, well, I'm, you know, I'm very short or obese. I'm from a different culture. And, you know, what, why, why, were you bullied uh, as a middle schooler? Yes, I had quite the stage in middle school. I was awkward. Um, I was taller than all the guys. I'm a little beanpole, I call myself because I'm really thin. And I just remember going to school every day, trying to fit in and being taller than all the guys, you know, they'd be like, oh, like Max, one of the bros. And I never felt pretty growing up, you know, um, I felt I was always really insecure, you know, I didn't develop like the rest of my peers. Like I said, I'm pretty much bored. Um, I didn't have any curves and I was bullied because of that. And I remember just like being bullied by my peers for like the foods I would eat, like they'd crumple their potato chips and like throw it at me and call me awful names. And it was just a really weird time. Like, it doesn't matter how you look. And I always tell people that, but for me personally, like being bullied because of how I looked was, you, know, you always hear models say like, oh, I was bullied because I'm tall and like look different. Well, people always told me I look different. It was never, you're beautiful, Michaela. It was all like, you look weird. Like it's interesting. Um, so I always felt weird and just kind of out of place to be completely honest with you. Was it more the boys bullying you or the girls bullying you? The girls. And people are always like, really? Yes. If a girl, if the women are watching this, we can all attest to the fact that women really try to get in your head and it's more psychological bullying. Whereas like the boys are like, oh, like let's rough them up and then you're done and you go home and you go your separate ways. But women, we really try to like make you think that like you're excluded or you're jealous or, and it's just a totally different type of bullying. You know, you're right, because my uh, my kids, one time we were driving, they were already out of high school, a couple, and they said, oh, we hated middle school. It was a lot of bullying. I'm like, how come you didn't say anything? Did you share that with your parents when you were being you know, bullied? I did. Um, there was like this one, I was bullied like pretty much my whole life. And I hate saying that, but it's very true. I mean, even in elementary school, like I was always picked on, but like, I didn't realize it was bullying, but middle school is like the worst time to be bullied because you're not like a little kid, but you're not like a high schooler and you're just in this weird stage. And I think everyone's kind of going through something like you're going through puberty and that's a lot. Um, so bullying is really prevalent in middle school just because everyone's going through these changes. So, and I didn't really talk to my parents about it at the time because I was embarrassed. I was like, you know, is this normal? Should I be going through this? But I'd tell them if it was really bad. And then, you know, mom and dad are like, oh, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to call their mom and dad. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Like, that's so awkward. That's really weird. Um, but yeah, they, they knew it was going on, but to the depths and to the extents that it went to, they didn't know. Okay. From, from being bullied in middle school to becoming a model, what has gone, what has happened that boom. boom. Yep. So it was like Michaela, the weird, ugly duckling is now a model. Um, it was, it was really random. I was actually in the mall, um, shopping for dresses with an old friend of mine. And this guy was like, creepishly looking like you know when someone's peering over stuff like he's like looking at me and I'm like oh my god like I might get abducted like this guy is totally watching me and my friend's mom went over to this guy and he's like can we help you and he's like oh like I'm a model scout and he like takes out a card and he's like well will you at least take this card like I'm not creepy not trying to follow you 
Um, long story short, he actually was a model scout and I went to this event um, and I was offered to sign with like, I think it was like eight different agencies, like Ford, Elite, Next. Um, I ended up signing with Wilhelmina. And even then I was never told like, oh, Michaela, you're so beautiful. Like, you know, you're just breathtaking. But it was never that. It was, oh, like you're really tall and you're 14 years old and you look different. So we'll sign you. Um, yeah. So I, even when I first started modeling, I never felt like beautiful. I just felt different and I was being celebrated, I guess, for that. But when I went back to school, all the girls are like, oh, Michaela thinks you're so much cooler. Like, you know, she's in, she's a model and yeah, a lot of people didn't think it was going to go anywhere. So. Have you ever, like, I know you had your, your, uh, photos on, you know, Times Square a few mm -hmm. times. Have you ever taken these pictures and went to those people that bullied you when you were little, like, here you go, or no, that never crossed your mind? Yeah, it, it used to. I think <laughs> it, like, I wanted to, like, buy a billboard and be like, look, and, like, tag all the people that, like, bullied me, like, here's everything I've done, haha, -ha, joke's on you. Uh, but, you know, I think my silence and me just doing what I do best is, like, the giant, like, not that it's like a slap in the face, but it is an indirect slap in the face saying like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to rub it in your face because that's not who I am. But if you want to Google me, you can. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. But yes, I really hope they secretly watch my successes. And if they don't, well, whatever. Now, uh, before we get to the modeling, you wrote a book and it became a best-selling book. Why did you write it? And oh, here it is. And we, at the end of the show, we're going to let people know where to get it from you uh, directly. And uh, how, well, there's a lot of questions. I wrote three books, so I have a lot of questions for you. Uh, first of all, when you thought, uh, okay, I can write a book, I can put this in a book, or were you just writing your your thoughts and go, oh, this should go in a book. Which one happened first? It was really like, I'm just going to vent. Like, it was like, I'm so fed up of being bullied and like going through this alone and dealing with other stuff. So I just went over to my computer. Um, I always like joke like, oh, I hand wrote everything. I didn't. I used my computer. And I was like, this is what I'm going through. I'm so sick of it. It was like a diary. It was just like me going, Ugh, like I'm sick of everything being right. festered inside. Um, so yeah, definitely the second one. So it was just kind of, eventually it would become a book. How long did it take you to write 50,000 words? <laughs> a little bit over a year. Um, and I know that seems really long, but that's like the whole process of like editing and all that stuff. And I was still in high school, like while I was writing this and I, my school was so great to me. Um, I wasn't really there full time. And when I was, I like went up to one of the teachers and I was like, Hey, you know, I'm a senior. And what do you think about me writing a book? Can that be my English credit? And they were like, yeah, you're serious. Like you're going to write a book. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, okay. Um, so that, that <laughs> so you got credit for it. <laughs> I did. I got credit for it. <laughs> Uh, wow. And, and you finished the whole uh, script and then you gave, you tried to sell it to, uh, what do you call publishers or were they already interested? Yeah. So we, being as young as I was, um, and I have really awesome parents, I'm so fortunate for that. We were like, okay, what's the best way to, to have your book out there? Because with a lot of publishers and what people usually don't know is, you know, you can give your, your book, your manuscript to someone. And then it's like, all right, it's not yours anymore. And I was like, I don't want that. Like, this is my story, not your story. So I want to own it. Um, so we went with this awesome publishing book, uh, publishing group out of Dallas called Brown Books. And I like 100% own all my words. Um, so this, that was really cool because I didn't want to just say, here's, you know, here's the keys to the car, take it. Um, so yes, yeah, so we went a different route instead of like one of the big, the big publishers. So what is your solution from the book for someone who didn't read it about bullying? What do you tell someone who has a daughter or a granddaughter uh, or a son or a grandson that's being bullied and maybe they're not sharing much but you have that feeling what what do you do what's the cure what's the solution you use well with bullying i mean i really don't think there's one set solution 
And I think kids are getting better and better at hiding what they're going through, unfortunately, thanks to social media, you know, you can make as many accounts as you want. But if you're being bullied, like, don't be afraid to talk to your parents, don't be afraid to talk to a trusted adult, if you don't, you know, if your relationship with your parents isn't great, like, you know, it's awful, but there is someone in your life who cares about you always, and really not being afraid to open up. Um, That was something that I was so afraid because I was so scared scared of judgment, you know, from that authority figure, like, hey, like, why is she getting bullied? Why is she going through this? But it was never like that. Um, So I'd really just suggest to kids that are being bullied, don't be afraid to open up because no one's going to know what you're going through unless you have the audacity to open up. Um, And then it's just going to eat at you inside and that's going to impact your mental health. And then that can lead to a whole bunch of other things like substance abuse and thoughts of suicide. Um, So it's really just so, so important to not be afraid to open up because someone cares. So that's the first step, just open up to someone else. How, How do you, like, what do you tell some, because, you know, it has something like you mentioned in one of your, you know, I listened to you speak and you talked about insecurity and you know i gotta tell you you hit home with that because every comedian that you've seen by the way who's your favorite comic other than me which you never heard of um i oh my gosh i have heard of you i i this is gonna be so bad if he's listening there's this one comedian i think his name is sebastian He's on Netflix. Sebastian, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him. The Italian guy. Yeah, Sebastian Manuskela. Yes, I like yes. him right now. Very funny. Yeah, right <laughs> now he's great. <laughs> but yes. Uh, yeah, so most comics I know is, uh, you know, we're insecure. And uh, you're always trying to go on stage or do something big to cover that. And But as a teenager, what, what, what do you do for someone who's insecure, especially now you're right, social media does that to them. What, what, how did you personally dealt with the insecurity? I still deal with being insecure. Like a lot of people like look at me and they're like, oh, this girl must be so confident. Truth is I am so insecure even to this day because I think I've always felt so judged by everyone that like, I'm always anxious. I'm always like, oh my God, what are these people thinking of me? And you just have to realize, and I tell myself this every day, like you can't care what other people think. And I'm sure with comedians, you know, I always hear like you you make jokes out of the things that you're struggling with and that's kind of your way to cope. And it's like the same thing with what I've gone through with writing and it's just how do you be confident well you have to tell yourself things that you love about yourself you know I start every day telling myself hey you know what Michaela it's okay if your hair looks crazy it's okay if this is this Um, you have two legs that help you go places you can breathe you can it's really about appreciating the little things and all the cosmetic things kind of just don't matter because they don't matter Um, we're all the same so no that's that's good and uh, so, so in the book, you do cover also about sexual assault and all these other things. Yes. In, uh, can you give us just an example, a few things yeah. like you cover in the book? Yeah. So I guess since you brought up sexual assault, I can talk about that. It doesn't bother me. Um, when I was 14 years old, I was sexually assaulted by my best guy friend. Um, it went on for a little bit over a year and it really kind of impacted my life. I mean, obviously, you know, you're so young and you're being assaulted by someone that you think is your friend. Um, you don't really know what's going on because your parents haven't really had the whole birds and bees talk with you. And I was just like, is this normal? Like, is this what's expected? And, and being a survivor of sexual assault, you know, you see it happens all the time and it's just, it's horrible. And a lot of people feel it's like victim blaming and you're like too scared to talk about it because they're like oh you know no one's going to believe you and especially with someone like me that was bullied and not believed because I was bullied you know people didn't believe that I was sexually assaulted they thought I brought it upon myself they thought I allowed it to happen but if you get someone that's close to you and they start getting in your head and mess with you psychologically sure they can manipulate you um and that's something a lot of people just don't grasp that's true. That's true. That's very good. And uh, I know my daughter's at UCLA and she's she puts on this subject really hard. This is amazing. Yeah. Even though you said you have great parents, there's still, you you know, I just want to tell people how uh, if you're watching this or listening to the podcast, it's like, don't think that your kid's going to come to you right away. Hey, I was sexually assaulted. Hey, I was bullied. Mm-hmm. You know, even for someone who had great parents, you still had a hard time 
going and telling your parents about it. Yeah. And and that led you to, you said, bulimia or eating disorder? Yep. So so the eating disorder actually came because of modeling. Um, surprise, surprise. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm like, ah, oh, surprise, fashion, uh, throwing up. So yeah, I, I remember when I was 14, um, I was told they were like, hey, Michaela, you know, you're really unique. Like I said, it's never beautiful. It's really unique. Um, to become a high fashion model and to walk in like Paris and New York and all these things, you need to weigh 118 to 125 pounds max. We don't care how you do it. Um, you know, don't you like pretzels? Don't eat them. All this kind of stuff. And they said, you know, come back when you're that weight or don't come back. And um, my, my, parents, my parents were like, okay, we're going to do this the right way. Like, let's, let's find you the trainer. Let's get you on a schedule. And like, they tried to do it in the most healthy way possible. But there is just no way that a 14 year old girl who's going through, you know, the changes should be restricting her body because I think that's why I never really developed my curves because I like starved my body. And I remember like, I was just not eating. I'd throw my lunch out when I was at school because my parents wouldn't know what I ate at school. So I just throw it in the trash and, you know, they think I'm eating and I'm not eating. Um, and then what mm. I would eat being out with friends or whatnot, especially at photo shoots and I'd feel bloated, I, I would go and throw up because I was like, all right, well, maybe I can like get, get a, whatever certain amount of weight out of me. Um, before shoots, I would wear like a sweatsuit and I would spit into a bucket, um, trying to lose any amount of weight. Like it was insane. And looking back at it, I'm just like, oh my God. Like, why did I do, like, I couldn't do that now. You couldn't pay me to do that now. Like, I'm sorry. I like food too much. Like, <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> so what, how hard was it? Okay. You were a student, you're still at school, but you still had to travel to do modeling. Yes, um, I did. I, I lived in, in New York City um, in Los Angeles and I went to a private school. So I think that's kind of, you know, um, a plus for me. I was very fortunate to be able to go to a private school because that would not fly in a public school. Um, so my teachers kind of really worked with me and they would send me the materials. And obviously my parents would like monitor to make sure I was actually learning. Um, so I was able to take that with me. And then when I'd come back to Orlando for like breaks, cause my parents were like, oh, well, she still needs to experience high school. Um, I'd go to school for like two weeks, but I'd not do anything in the classroom. Cause I already did it like a few weeks ago. So I would just sit there. Um, it was weird. It was just weird. Like thinking about it and all the kids were like, well, how come Michaela's not doing work? And I'm like, oh, I already did it. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a weird, <laughs> weird balance. Now, uh, how can you do homework when you're hungry? I mean, uh, I, I yeah, you know that I think I was so hungry for so long that it wasn't like, oh man, I'm hungry. It was just like, oh, like, uh, I feel a little lightheaded. Let me just like nibble on something. Um, I, I guess the hunger kind of, it was so psychological. I was so like, chasing that dream that I wanted, that the hunger wasn't bothering me. Clearly it was internally. I just like repressed it, I guess. Now, what do you tell someone like who has a daughter or a granddaughter that they don't know that she's uh, having uh, an eating disorder? What kind of signs do you tell them to look for? So there are so many signs with eating disorders and I see it more and more with these young girls and, you know, they're always like, oh, like, I wish I looked like that. Or I'm going to, I follow this person, this person, and this person, look who they follow on social media, because that is like the biggest telltale. Like if they're following like the tiny girl with like the big boobs, which is like, great, go for it. But like, and they're like, oh, I need to look like that or I'm not pretty. Then that's how you can kind of see like, okay, they're having this body dysmorphia, like the thigh gap. When I was in, I think it was like middle school, that was like the big thing was the thigh gap. Um, and what is all the, the thigh gap? I'm a, a thigh gap. Okay. <laughs> a thigh gap is when you like put your knees together and between, you know, your, your thighs and your, let's just say your midsection, your thighs don't touch. Um, yeah, that's a thigh gap. Uh, and is that encouraged in modeling, but not in life? What? Uh, 
I guess the line got blurred because kids that weren't even like in the whole fashion industry, just like kids that I went to school with were like, I need to have this thigh gap. And it was like, but why? Um, or, you know, like the, the songs where it's like, oh, you know, tiny waist and a big butt, like then that's the thing now. And that's what, you know, all these waist trainers and all, I'm like, what? Like, and that's, that's the start of these eating disorders are these trends. And then guess what? They're gone in like six months. I mean, the next thing is going to be like being flat and then it's going to be like being curvy. And then, you know, people are just on this, this craze of following these trends and then they're yo-yo dieting and just, yeah, it's just, it's awful. And it's happening younger and younger with social media. So how do you, when you're speaking or when in your book, how do you encourage young girls to not even worry about that? I listen, I try so hard to, to tell them to not worry about that. But the, you know, the reality of the beast is that they're gonna do it anyway. Um, unfortunately, and I, I try to tell them like, listen, you know, the girls you see on the fashion magazines don't look like that. And I know that because I was that girl, like I've been in the fashion magazines, I've been on different covers and I've seen the actual, like, you know, someone will take a picture of me on set versus the picture that comes out. I'm like, I don't even know who she is. Like, I, oh. it's like not the same person, you know, they distort your body and all this stuff. And um, totally forgot your question was, but I, t I, tell, <laughs> I tell girls, um, you know, just, you have to stop comparing yourself and especially guys too, you know, guys feel the need to be big and buff and have abs and all this stuff. And it's so, it's just not what people are supposed to be like, you know? You're right. And that's, that's a great thing. You know, People don't understand that the picture on the cover is photoshopped so much uh, that you're right. And now, are you mm -hmm. still? Uh, yeah, okay, let me get the the stigma or the my idea of like the thought of modeling. Like, okay, there's 20 girls that look the same. They go for the audition, uh, or or uh, since you signed with an agency, you don't have to go to auditions. You just go, or they still pick one and then. Uh, no, I, I love, I love your thought process here. No, you're, you're kind of on the money. Um, it's you, you still go to those castings, you know, the casting director, we'll just call them that, right. Cause that's what they are. Um, your agent will be like, okay, you're an option, meaning like they kind of like you, but like come in cause you're an option. And then you see like 20 of you at this thing and then they you know you try on the outfit and however it fits right or if you i don't know sometimes if you like bond with the casting director i always try to make them laugh or i always try to be last too because if you're first you like almost never get it um they give you like <laughs> <a> three, <laughs> they give you like a three hour window to like show up to these castings and i'm like okay if there's like 10 girls there's no way that you need three hours because you're in and out in like sometimes two minutes like sometimes you walk into the room and they're like no and you're like, okay, great. Like I just came all the way here. Um, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, you still go to those uh, castings, but now COVID um, you can do like digital. So you basically stand there in a t-shirt and jeans, take some pictures, non-edited cause you have to send them to your agent. Um, and the same thing with like underwear, which I've always like hated. I get so much anxiety to like stand there in my underwear and be like, all right, like, cause they look at your digitals and then they judge you just based on that. Um, nice. so yeah, it's just, it's a really interesting, like industry. And when you go to these castings, you're, you have to tell yourself, like, they're not judging me, Michaela. They're literally just looking at my body and you almost have to like disassociate, which is like really bad to say, but you see all these beautiful girls and no wonder all models are like insecure. Cause you're sitting next to a bunch of people that look like you. And they're like, well, that's not a good version. That's not a good version. Yeah. This version's okay. And we're going to book that one. So yeah. <laughs> you know, you're right. Because I I've done a lot in beginning my career. I was the choosing between comedy. Well, I always wanted to be a comedian, but I've done acting and then movies and you always go to the audition. It's uh, you drive for three hours in traffic to get, to LA and then boom, two minutes and everybody looks like you and they start bullying you. People give you the dirtiest look. Mm -hmm. People who look just like you are giving you the dirtiest look. And and so as someone who's insecure, I mean, I got to a point where I said, you know what? I'm, not, I'm no longer doing editions and I'm no longer doing comedy competitions. Yeah, I don't want to deal with it because that's the same thing. Like you feel you take it personally. Now, are you still doing modeling? 
I, so I am, um, I am very selective of the companies that I work with just because I, I don't think I'm better than the companies that hire the size zero or the size two. Um, I just know who I am. And if they're going to say, Hey, Michaela, you need to look like this, or, you know, you need to get a boob job or you need to do this. Like my answer is no. Um, if you have a problem with how I look in my swimsuit, in my underwear, in my clothes, then I don't want to work with you. So I will work with companies that are like, Hey, you know what? We support this cause because we believe in it. And we would love for you to be able to share your story. Like, I don't want to just be the girl that takes a picture and leaves. That does nothing for me as a human being. I want them to say, Hey, uh, tell us, tell us about your foundation. Tell us about this. Hey, you know what? Maybe we want to do something with that. Like I, I work with companies and all this stuff that really have a purpose and really have a a passion um, because they can, there are so many beautiful people in this world. And if that's, you know, you want to take your photo of the beautiful person and be done. Cool. That's just not for me. It took me years to figure that out. <laughs> that's awesome. That's very, very good. That's very encouraging to people to hear because a lot of times you hear girls, you know, daughters or strangers going, I want to be a model. I want to be a model. Would you, would you recommend it for them or no? <sighs> I never want to tell anyone to not follow their dreams. I think I said that right. I'd never, yeah. I, I think everyone should follow their dreams is what I was trying to say. But I think that the industry, the way it is now, if you want to be a really happy human being and love who you are, if you're not 100% confident in your own skin, then that industry is not for you because it will eat you up and spit you out. Um, you know, you're in one day and then it's like, oh, you turn 24, all right, bye. Um, it's just like, it's, it's a very, it's very short lived. So I always tell girls that want to become models, like number one, have a strong understanding of who you are. Number two, realize that they're going to comment and make you really insecure, but like, you can't take it personally, which is hard because we all take it personally. Um, and to have a backup plan. And it's like the same thing with acting, like, you know, everyone and their brother wants to be an actor. Everyone and their sister wants to be a model. Um, so it's just, it's very short lived, um, have a plan B and do it for the right reasons. All right. I heard something about you want to do some littering or littering the moon. You want to put some. <laughs> Tell us yep. about your foundation, Blatantly Honest Foundation. Tell us about that a little bit. So I never thought I would start a foundation. Um, I started it right in February, so right before COVID happened. Um, it's been really trying to raise money in a time where no one has any money to give is really difficult. Um, but what we do, what we do at the foundation is we have an excellent board of directors. Um, we have the co-founder of Kettle One. We have just different like advertising execs, the person that helped design the International Space Station, um, Angelina Jolie's brother, James Haven, really interesting uh, board members who have really helped. But what we do is we provide educational materials such as speeches. So I'll go and speak to the kids. We have coloring books. Um, we've written our own curriculum and we're developing an online platform. And then we're also developing a mobile app game, which will be really inclusive and teach kids about bullying in a fun way while taking place on the moon. And the reason why <laughs> it relates to the moon is because the Blatantly Honest Foundation has two two space contracts. Um, so we're going to be sending photos up to the moon. So I don't know if you can see this, probably not, but for the people watching, I can see it, this, yeah. you can. So the capsule um, says blatantly honest foundation in this capsule. So we're not littering the moon. Um, we are <laughs> going to be putting a, um, a micro SD chip in this capsule and we're going to send it to our launch provider, December 20th. And then what they're going to do is put that, this chip inside a lander which there's like rovers and there's landers. So a little space terminology right. for everyone. So the rovers move around on the, on the moon, right? And the lander just like does what it sounds like. It just lands and stays there. Um, so we're gonna be in a lander and it's gonna be taking off from Kennedy, not Kennedy, or Cape Canaveral in 2021. So the whole point, like why is this anti-bullying foundation going to the moon is because we're sending pictures up there so no one can look down at victims of bullying again. Um, so that's kind of the concept. It has really just taken on a world of its own. Um, we've brought on different celebrities like 
Lexi Rabe from The Avengers, Nick Simmons, um, son of Gene Simmons from Kiss, um, Ketchy, who uh, she survived a plane crash um, and she went on to sing on America's Got Talent and like got the golden buzzer. Just a lot of unique people like that. Um, but yeah, so the Blatantly Honest Foundation is going to the moon in 2021. We're so excited about it. I never thought I'd do anything with space, but here we are. Um, we're asking for a $5 donation for one photo and three or $10 donation for three photos. And that all goes to help so, the foundation. So people can send the pictures of their kids or grandkids or whatever, mm -hmm. or themselves. And yep. how, many, how many pictures can you fit in that little capsule, the little one? <laughs> So we can fit probably a couple million um, if, cause we're sending a terabyte, I think it's a one terabyte or two terabyte chip. So as many people sign up is as many people as we'll send photos um, cause we can, you know, compress. And so people like shouldn't worry about the size that they're uploading because if you go to our, it's moonmission.capturelife.com, I'll throw a link in somewhere eventually. Um, but you can just sign up on there and it will compress the photo for you. And then you get this really cool certificate and it's like, hey, I'm going to the moon in 2021. And you can print it and give it as a gift to someone, especially like with the holidays coming up. So cheap oh, gift that's a great idea. <laughs> Yeah, because people would go, hey, my picture's on the, yeah. is on the moon. Yeah, yeah and that's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, uh, we know... Oh, what do you think uh, about social media personally your your take on it uh it's a loaded question <laughs> um i i obviously do a lot of social media um between my own accounts um and the foundation's accounts and the podcast so obviously i can't be like i hate social media and like post on all these channels um i think social media is a tool that should be used for good i think people should should be posting authentic versions of themselves and like trying to engage because that's the whole point of social media right is to connect with people and i think now it's become like a, a peacock peacocking is what i call it um because everyone's like oh look at me like living my best life i'm so awesome nothing bad ever happens to me and like that's what social media has become um and then you know you you get the political and you get all these you know people just trolling one another and cyberbullying each other and it's just become like, you know, look at me, but also like, I'm going to attack everyone else because they don't agree with me. And I'm going to be mean to them because I can hide behind a screen. So I think people have ruined social media for themselves. Um, mm. I think I use it for good. And I think there are some great people that use it for good, but I also think there's a lot of evil on social media. That's, that's true. And uh, you're right. You know, people, you know, this is the best thing. You look at them like, and everybody's sticking their tongue out. like, come on. <laughs> but but uh, yeah. <laughs> as far as, the, what do you call it? Uh, let me, what do you think? You're, you're 23, you know, man, you're still at an age where we can say your age and it doesn't bother you. I know there's I don't no point where you can. <laughs> You don't look 23. You look like 22 uh, because now, <laughs> yeah. what do you, what do you think as a young person living in these times in our nation where there's, I mean, I've been in the country for 35 years. I've never seen it in that shape of division and all that. And this is not a political answer at all. What do you like to see happen in the U S in the future? What do you see the future? What would you, you know, Michaela Nichols, nobody else like to see America in the next few years. What do you like to see? I think there's definitely been a lot of division. Um, and I think, I think social media kind of really started it because we're all able to express our opinions and then we forget that other people have opinions. And so when we hear those opinions, we're like, oh my God, like they don't agree with me. And now I feel like our country has just like heightened that because of social media and because it's like, oh, well, you know, they're so-and-so and they don't agree with me, so they're an awful person. Um, I would really like our country to be the incredible, you know, country that it, it, it is. It's an incredible country. And, you know, so many people look up to America and want to come to America because we're inclusive and everything of that nature. I think we just need to remember why America, because why we all came together, why, you know, people left England way, way back when, and why, you know, why they went because they're in search of a better life. And I think we've all become so egocentric. And so like, it's all me, 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 it's a me centered society that it's not us. 
And I think for our country and for us as people, regardless of what country you live in, to come together and just say, you know what, these are my brothers and sisters. Like I love them and I care for them. And sure, if you want to, you know, tomato, tomato, whatever, like you're entitled to your opinion and just allowing people to have an opinion and not hate them because of a way they think. I think there's so much hate. Um, we need to stop the hate because that that is not who we are. And I think we've all lost sight of ourselves because everything is me, 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 and I need to outdo everyone. That's wonderful. Now, uh, one of the biggest challenges we have, a problem we have since the pandemic is um, anxiety, uh, depression, suicidal thoughts. And you cover all that in your book. Mm -hmm. Give someone who's watching right now, and I can guarantee you right now, there's a few hundred that I know of personally that are going through anxiety and depression right now. What do you say to them? Well, um, just from a relatability standpoint, I mean, I right. suffer from anxiety. Um, I, I get panic attacks quite often. Um, even now my hands are sweaty. So I, I get, I get anxiety, you know, I get that feeling and it's just, you know, it's nothing to be ashamed of because we all feel something, you know, it's that fight, flight or fight response, or I think I butchered it, but whatever, you know, if you're dealing with anxiety, just realize you're not alone and it will not, don't let it stop you from going after your wildest of dreams because it, you know, when I do a show or I go speak, of course, my hands get a little clammy. Of course, you know, you feel like anxious. Um, depression though, I, I totally understand. There's been a lot of people in my family that have had depression and I know the highs and lows that are associated with that, but you have to remember that that's what it is, highs and lows. Um, and every day, quite frankly, is not a good day. Um, that's for any human ever, um, but it will get better. And you have to believe that because that's the truth. You know, that Annie song, the sun will come out tomorrow. I can't sing, so sorry, everyone. Um, but it, the sun will come out tomorrow and you have to hold on to that because people, I think a lot of the anxiety and depression is coming from the fact that we're scared and we feel isolated. Um, so don't be afraid to call, call your family, call a friend. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, there's no shame in, in asking for help or talking to someone, you know, people need people and we need to have conversation. And of course that's going to impact your anxiety because newsflash when we all go out without masks on we're all gonna be like whoa you know and I, that's a really gonna impact all of us because we've forgotten how to talk with one another um so if you're struggling with anxiety like i i wear this breathing necklace um literally all the time and i just focus on your breathing it's a breathing necklace what is it, that is that you legal? know it, <laughs> it is legal it looks like a whistle people are always uh, like oh is that is, is that your rape your rape whistle i'm like oh my god no it's not um this this is my it's called a camuso i'm like they're not and paying me to say this i just you know i think it kind of works for me um so i just use it to focus on my breathing because i think you know people like you and i are always go 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 we don't actually take time to just like sit down and breathe does this thing work i don't know but does it make me feel better for does, you right it works for me um and meditation and oils like People that are struggling with anxiety, try different things like go on walks, get a breathing necklace or don't get a breathing necklace. Just focus on your breathing, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think putting yourself first is is the most helpful and don't be afraid to try new things. You know, you're right. And people, you know, every morning I do a breathing exercise after my quiet Bible time. And I, you know, if I don't do it one day, I would, I feel that like I'm tired or something. So mm -hmm. it's really, it does the breathing. But I want to, you know, if people don't get anything out of this um, podcast, which they're going to get a lot, I want to let people know is like, okay, there's a lot of girls that's, that I know of that say, if I was prettier, life will be easier. I wouldn't be as anxious. I wouldn't be bullied. If I was a little taller, I wouldn't be bullied. I wouldn't be this. If I was a little skinnier, I wouldn't do this. And you're just like the perfect example of like, no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets it. You can get it regardless. Yep. 
yeah, you can, it doesn't matter what you look like, you know, being bullied doesn't discriminate. You can be bullied for literally the color shirt you wear, like it doesn't matter. Um, and I think, I think there's a lot to be said with that because people do look at me and to this day I'm judged, you know, especially when I walk into a room and like you said earlier, like, what does this girl know about bullying? Well, I know how to feel really insecure and I've been torn apart my whole life. Um, but it, it made me stronger. And I think that's the thing about bullying is it makes you stronger because it can either break you or it can make you. Um, and obviously, like you said, with, with suicide, that is such a real topic. Um, and if you don't mind, I'd love to share like a quick story. Please, do. please, um, please. That was, wait, let me stop you. This is divine timing because my next question was suicide prevention. Tell us more, especially in this time. Wow. So Someone must God's have given timing. me a nudge. <laughs> God's timing. That's God. God's Go timing. On. God's timing. So um, I, this is a really interesting story and I tell it when I, when I speak in schools, um, I was getting an award of all things. Not the, there, there's a reason I'm saying this. I went to this bullying prevention thing and, you know, I was like, oh, I'm Kayla Nichols, bullying prevention. Here's an award. Like come on stage. And before I went to get this award, this mom comes on stage and she she's holding this piece of paper and her hands are trembling and she's she's trying to talk and um she she shares the story of her daughter isabel um and isabel was the same age as me um going through everything that i went through like i think she was 18 i was 18 at the time so we we're both the same age and she ultimately said like my daughter was cyberbullied, my daughter was sexually assaulted and my daughter died by suicide and i'm sitting there the same age as this young beautiful vibrant woman who passed and I'm about to go get an award for and I'm like mm -hmm. you know like god like why why am I here and she's not um and and sharing the story of <laughs> of her and she posted on twitter she said should I just that's it should I and 50 I was like 59% of people or it was it was higher I, I forget the right number but said yes they didn't even know ah didn't even uh. know what this girl was talking about. She just said, should I like, and she's like, you know, I, I can't take this anymore, blah, blah, blah. And that was the last thing, should I? And ultimately, you know, she died by suicide. And I sit there and I'm just devastated because this mom had just lost her daughter. And, and I went, you know, I was cyberbullied. I was sexually assaulted. And I had those suicidal thoughts myself because I was like, I can't get past this. And to see that and to see the harsh reality that, you know, some people can't get past that bullying stage, can't get past that sexual assault. It breaks my heart. And, you know, from there, I share her story all the time. And obviously I'm not doing it justice right now, but I, I went to her house and I stayed with her family. Um, I was out in St. Louis and I did an event out there for her to, to share her story. And it, I get so many calls from moms, from dads, from loved ones who, who have lost someone to suicide. And I mean, it's even impacted me in my life. Like I've almost lost a couple friends to, to suicide. Um, thank God, you know, they, they weren't able to go through with it. But suicide is, is never, ever, ever the answer. I think people forget that, you know, it, it's all peaks and valleys. Um, life life gets better it got better for me you know i'm living proof that you can get through your darkest of times you're right and you know uh people sometimes think this is uh very light to say but laughter is very important this time because when you laugh it's still you feel you feel human again you feel alive again i was in vidalia georgia few years ago and uh, i was ready to go on stage and this lady that was making you know like in the kitchen at the church trying to make stuff for the people and and she goes oh honey i can't stay long because tomorrow morning is a court and i'm gonna have to hear everything that this man did to my daughter to, before killing her my my 16 year old daughter and she goes uh, i'm gonna have to hear everything and all the details it's gonna be hard so i'm gonna have to leave early i said of course fine you go ahead so anyway, I went on stage and I finished my show. And the first thing I did when I ran back uh, back, and I go, when did she leave? They, she goes, oh, she stayed for like half an hour of your show. I go, was she laughing? It goes, oh, she was dying laughing. Mm -hmm. And it was like, thank you, Lord, because it's able to do that. You know, even sometimes as hard as life can get, there's always a time for you 
to laugh and to be encouraged and to look at your life like you you passed that stage i i you know i don't know what it's like to have that suicidal thought but i definitely know there's maybe my kids thought about it and you know in that age group but my question to you right now is you were sexually assaulted you were bullied you were all that have you ever got mad at god have you ever blamed god i have um i i had a really really rocky oh did i lose you oh, oh no oh. you didn't lose i think what happened is my <laughs> camera uh, stopped so i'm gonna change the okay where we put the camera. i was like god okay. god heard no, me you're fine yeah I, i'm still here i'm okay still here, but let me let me do it at, at let's see uh, let's do this all right there here we you go. are we can adjust it right now because <laughs> i think my camera decided it's stopping all right is that i think, I think yeah god inter god intervened there maybe um <laughs> he, <laughs> yeah we talk about god boom okay yeah <laughs> he's like yep michaela did not like me for a bit um yeah i i have really you know, I, I believe um, in, in Jesus Christ and I, you know, I'm a religious person. Um, I'm, I'm not a really great Christian. I try my very best, um, but, you know, as one tries. And I, I was really upset because I was like, why am I going through this? And I found, you know, I was like, why? This is all your fault. Like, why have you done this to me? Why do you hate me? And I, there's a quote and I'm going to butcher it. So everyone, please forgive me. It's like, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest of soldiers. And I, I hold on to that. Um, you know, in the past year I've lost four people and I began to, to question God too. You know, it was, it was my mom's, my Nana, uh, my mom's mom, my mom's dad, um, my aunt who was in her fifties. And then my, my other grandma, just boom, boom, right before COVID, like before COVID was even a thing, it was like death, 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 death. And I, again, was like, all right, God, like, seriously, like who else are you going to take from me? Why are you doing this? And I, do I question him sometimes? Of course. Um, do I understand why? No. Um, but, but do I know that, do I trust in him? Yes. Um, and I have a, my grandma and I have it in our house actually. And it says, Lord, I trust in you. And every time I walk past it, I have to say it to myself because there's some times when I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't trust this. I don't trust what you're doing. Why are you doing this? Um, but at the end of the day, I, I, I do trust in him or her. And I, I believe, <laughs> you know, I know God has a mission for you. I know sometimes I know your speeches are not, you know, this is not religious speak or any, but everything you're sharing with people is consistent with the biblical, you know, truth about, you know, you know, I, I, I mean, as I said, I was insecure being, you know, being from a different country, coming here as a 19 year old, not speaking the language, trying to live. But when I, when I, and I put my confidence on in my, in my career and you know hey i was nbc wanted to do a sitcom on me i was one of the top comics everything's great but then when i gave my life to christ i felt that my value is god loves me jesus loves me and that's what keeps me going but uh i'm not a perfect christian <laughs> nobody is, no one is. Yeah, you're right but you are you know when you think of this uh, this girl that committed suicide and you are still alive going through that same thing there is a purpose there's a plan for god that that he has to accomplish in your life i'm not saying he didn't have a plan for her but uh, mm -hmm. that's true so really uh, you're doing amazing work how how did covid impact you now as in your career covid i think covid is really just i always like to blame murphy like my buddy murphy i joke like murphy's law um covid yeah. is my new my new buddy murphy um it's been really it's been really hard to to fundraise during a, a pandemic because you know everyone's focus is is on their health um and getting through this which i totally understand and um but it has really been hard and i think i can speak on behalf of you know a bunch of nonprofits, not all of them because i'm sure some are doing great um but it, it has been a challenge and i think nonprofits have really taken a hit because everyone is focused on trying to preserve their livelihood which is totally understandable 
Um, and it's just, it has been interesting trying to, like, I can't go and speak in schools right now. Um, can I maybe do a Zoom? Sure. But is it the same? No. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not the same. Um, so I'm really trusting that this experience will just, you know, whether we have to adapt and become more virtual, like, will it be great? Nah. But what we have to, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Once you go and stay, feel the, the energy of the crowd, there's nothing, nothing that can replace that. Uh, and yeah, virtually, we can do stuff virtually. But what are you working on right now? So right now I'm really working on Operation Inclusion, um, which is our, our flight to the to the moon. Um, we really would love to have as many people as possible. Like I think this could like make global headlines. I really do. Not just because it's like my like the foundation I started, but because like everyone, regardless of where you are on this planet, you can find the moon somehow, like walk outside and look up, like you will more than likely see the moon at night. And I think there's something so powerful because people, you know, only astronauts go to the moon or only whatever, like Elon Musk and all that kind of stuff. But like, no, like your picture can actually go there. And I think that's so powerful. And it's like almost like a reference, like hold yourself to that higher standard, like go to the moon because you can go up there. And I think, I think the world needs that. I think we're all so trapped in our house. Like we need something to look forward to and look up to, like, why not look up at yourself? So that is what we're mainly working on is trying to get as many people involved um, you know, as we can to be able to provide those resources and especially to be able to fundraise for that online platform that we're trying to create. How can people give to your foundation or add, you know, add their picture or their kid's picture or their friend's picture or do it as a Christmas project where, hey, I don't know what to get people to Christmas. Maybe their kid's picture will go to the moon. Yeah. What, where can they sign up so yeah so if you visit um blatantlyhonest.org uh that is our foundation website you can go on there and then click moon mission i think when you go to the foundation's web page it's like are you ready to go to the moon so you don't even really have to navigate you just click like yes i am and <laughs> you can just sign up that way i mean it will take you and then obviously you know the five dollar donation or the ten dollar donation if you're feeling generous and would like to sign up for that and then additionally give we won't say no to that. Um, there's different places to give on the foundation's webpage. Um, people can provide, whether it's coloring books, we've had a lot of coloring book opportunities. So small businesses that are looking to give back to the schools in their neighborhood. Um, for $6.95, you can donate 300 coloring books to a school of your choice. Um, and we can Wait, like- for uh, $695, yes. they can donate 300 books. That's, that's reasonable. That's very reasonable. Yeah, coloring uh, books. To school. That's interesting. Now, uh, where can people get a hold of your book to buy their your book? Of course. So you can buy my book um, on blatantly blatant, honest on MichaelaNichols.com. You can order it from Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, if you want it for me directly and you want like it to be engraved or you know like write a message, I would contact me on social media and we can work that out. I'm pretty great at doing that. Um, it's, I think can it's you, more personal. Can you spell your name? Because I want, I normally tell people don't go to Amazon, go to the author themselves because yeah. that's better. Sure. Michaela M. -A okay. How do you spell your name so they can get to it? It's um, M A K A I L A. And then Nichols, N I C H O L S. That's okay. how you spell it. See, there's, you know, the hardest thing about being comedian, there's a joke in your head that wants to come out. And if it comes out, it's horrible. And you can't, I'm like, this is awesome. A model that can spell. And it's amazing. No. <laughs> yeah, I had to think about it. You probably were like, this girl's trying to spell her name and she's thinking about. <laughs> I had, if you have to write another book, what would it be about? I, so I started to write a, sequel to this book because I finally just went back and started to read my first book and since I was like a teenager when I wrote this and I'll be 23 Friday um I was Happy like birthday. thank you thank you um I I've grown a lot as a human being and I think my my thoughts have definitely shifted like Michaela that wrote this book 
great girl, same moral compass. But I think I just got a little bit older and experienced more. So I would like to, to write a follow-up because Michaela is no longer a teenager. Um, she's a young woman and she has more thoughts. So <laughs> Michaela that can eat now. And can <laughs> yeah, I like to eat and do other things and just enjoy life. So with closing encourage our audience one minute encouragement one two minute encouragement for our audience okay so i always say at the end of every speech be bold be you be blatantly honest and what does that mean for you you can do whatever it is that you want to do i never thought i would become a model an author an actress uh blah 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 blah, blah. okay might don't want to me 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 you can chase all of your wildest dreams you know i'm living proof that you can go through your darkest of times and come out on top um, and be the best version of yourself. So regardless of what you might be going through, just know that it is a phase and it too shall pass. And you just can't lose sight of yourself. And always, you know, like I said, be bold. Don't be afraid to take action in your life. Don't be afraid to, to offend people and just be who you are, be you. Like, don't let anyone change, you know, what you believe, what your values are. It's just, you are made how you are supposed to be. And last but not least, be blatantly honest, because if you can't be honest with yourself, no one will be honest with you. Because if you can't look yourself at the end of the day in the mirror and say, this is what we're doing, dang it, then you got bigger problems. So really just be honest with yourself, because that's what really matters and never give up. Um, and yeah, so thank you. That's awesome. Thank you so much. You know what I want to reiterate? For those girls that go, if I was only a little bit taller, a little bit skinnier, a little bit shorter, a little bit, uh, you know, I'll be happy. And here it is, uh, Michaela, you know, is a living example. No, that doesn't work. Thank you so much for your time. I want to encourage everyone to go and follow her on social media, buy her book, put your picture on the moon or someone you love for this Christmas. Make it your mission to do that. And thank you so much. And I want to remind you guys every weeknight at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time under this page, Comedian Nazareth on Facebook, you can watch our Live with Naz where you can laugh for an hour and really, uh, really forget about your anxiety. And we pray with you at the end. So that's awesome. Love you guys. Thank you so much for another podcast. And Michaela, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank God you. Bye-bye.